Again, a warm welcome to everyone um, to our service this evening. Uh, as well, we welcome those joining us online uh, for this evening's service as well. Now, there's uh, a number of things on the intimations. I'm not going to read through most of them, um, but uh, you can read through them for yourselves. Um, the Kirk session will meet uh, tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock, and that'll be in the MA Hall. And on Wednesday, we have a, a, a mission meeting uh, to hear an account of uh, work being done by Reverend Manuel Lopez Franco. He works with CMF, Edinburgh Missionary Fellowship, and is a pastor in Almuñécar in, in Spain. And that's going to be in the seminary at 7.30, but there'll also be uh, a Zoom connection, just like we have uh, for Wednesdays otherwise. So that's uh, Wednesday. I encourage you to, to, to come to the service, uh, to, to the meeting, to hear about the work of uh, EMF through Manuel. And then Thursday is the, the Gaelic midweek. Now, next Lord's Day, there are two services next Lord's Day, both in English. Uh, there's no Gaelic service because the morning service will be a, a baptismal service. Um, so that'll be 11 o'clock and 6.30, both in English. Uh, do read through the details there for the WFM uh, ladies' evening event uh, on the 20th and also the 21st, the connection with the AGM, which is in Perth. Uh, so just read through that. There are donations if anyone wishes to donate items for uh, either of these, please just read through the detail. Uh, the Scottish Bible Society are planning an audio recording of the 2017 uh, Gaelic New Testament. Um, this is going to take place uh, during the month of August, uh, so there are a number of things that they're requesting help with. I'll just leave you again to read through that, but there is a preparatory meeting uh, to actually hear more details about that. That'll be on Friday the 27th, at 7.30 p.m., and that'll actually be in the seminary because the hall is being used that evening uh, for another purpose. Um, so a couple of representatives from the Bible Society who are going to be involved in the recording um, will actually be present just to give us more detail about it. And if you know of anyone who's likely to help, if they're, even if they're not uh, in the congregation, and this, of course, is for male or female, uh, as long as uh, you can help in some way or other, you'll be welcome uh, to help with the project. So uh, that meeting is uh, on the 27th of May at 7.30 in the seminary. Uh, do remember the Free Church Assembly, which begins on the 23rd of May uh, at 6.30. That'll be in St. Columbus Free Church in Edinburgh. And I'll leave you to read through the other intimations there uh, for yourselves. <clears throat> Let's begin our worship this evening. We're singing firstly in Psalm 96a. 96a in the Sing Psalms version, that's on page 126. And we'll sing verses 1 to 10. O sing a new song to the Lord, sing praises to his name, and his salvation day by day let all the earth proclaim. His glory and his mighty deeds to every land declare, how great and awesome is the Lord with him, no gods compare. Psalm 96a and that's verses 1 to 10. O oh, sing a new song to the Lord. <clears throat> oh, sing a new song to the Lord. Sing praises to his name. Oh 
again in prayer. Let's join together in prayer. O Lord, our gracious God, as we give thanks for this occasion anew, we once again come to seek your help in order that we might praise you aright. Lord, we know that it is more than that we come together that you require of us, though we consider that our privilege too. You require of us that we sing your praises that we read your word, that we hear its its meaning expounded, that we engage in all aspects of our worship in a way that truly seeks to magnify your name, in a way that shows our heart commitment to you and to the glory of your name. You have reminded us, Lord, in these verses that we have been singing 
that not only are we to sing praises in the way that we relate to you ourselves personally, but we are to do it in such a way that would seek to disseminate that praise to those around us, even to tell the whole world that God is King. We thank you for the privilege of once more being here together, for the desire that you have placed in our hearts, Lord, to be here. And our desire includes a desire to meet with you, a desire to know that God has been here with us in this place, that he has come indeed to meet us and to show us how relevant his provision is to our need, however that need may extend to all aspects of our life. Lord, we thank you today for this day and for all that it contains. We thank you that at the beginning of the creation, you set apart the seventh day to be a day to yourself, a day that has come now to be placed at the beginning of each week for us, acknowledging the resurrection of Christ from the dead and thereby commemorating his great triumph from the dead as we come to this day of rest. And we thank you, Lord, for that rest that it reminds us of, that rest that you have accomplished for your people, not only rest in the way in which we anticipate heaven for your people, which will be an endless rest, undisturbed, in the way that we cannot appreciate in this life. But we thank you too for the rest that we do enjoy in this life, the rest by which we can say we have peace with God, the rest in which you have taken away the guilt of our sin and assures us, O Lord, that when you do so, nothing will be marked up against us evermore that will bring us into condemnation. And so we pray tonight, Lord, that you would bring to us further rest of mind, of conscience, rest in our souls as we relate to God and as we come once again to think upon and to receive the benefits of his salvation. O Lord, we pray, each of us here tonight, that we may know that peace of heart for ourselves. And we ask that you would, Lord, grant to us the assurance that those things that you have provided for us through the Lord Jesus Christ remain in place. And that even as we acknowledge our sin and confess our sins, and realize and confess that we sin against you every day we live, from the beginning of the day to each end of the day, that we are capable even of sinning against you while we sleep. We bless you nevertheless that your provision of eternal life remains secure, and that the forgiveness with which you forgive the sin of your people, the sin of all those who come to express that sin to you in repentance and faith, we give thanks, O Lord, that you assure us that when you wipe away the guilt of our sin, it is never more placed on our record. And so help us to confess our sin with shame that we still sin against you, despite all that we know, and yet with confidence that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Bless us, then we pray in all our ways as a congregation, Bless us in our homes and families, in the various ways in which we are placed in the world. Help us to be faithful to you in all of these regards. Bless the gospel, we pray to us, and bless us to the community around us. Lord, make us, we pray, to be used by you, uh, to be known and read of all people, like the apostle himself could say of others. 
so that they may see Christ in us and that they may see that we indeed ourselves, while so imperfect and so undeserving of the least of your mercies, can yet point people to Jesus and can be used by you as instruments for good in the world in which we live. Lord, bless us, we pray then, in all our concerns and grant that you would assure us of that wonderful supply of grace that you promised to your people uh, so that they uh, have their needs met in that supply from day to day. Uh, bless, we pray, uh, all who belong to your church throughout the world today. Remember the troubled places in the world where your people are persecuted and where they are uh, uh, so caught up, Lord, in terror and strife and war. Once again, we bring before you the situation in Ukraine, though we know that it is not the only part of the world where war exists. Yet, Lord, it is so obvious and so much in our thoughts. We pray for your people there and give thanks that some have been able to return to their homes and to their churches, even though we know that much of the fabric of the country in certain places has been destroyed. And, O oh Lord, we ask that you would uh, truly bring this uh, conflict to an end. We pray that it might be with the pushing out of the oppressor and the forces that have invaded that country and sought to bring it under their control. We thank you, Lord, for the resistance that has uh, been exercised in meeting that. Uh, we pray that that will continue and bring about days of peace. We pray that you'll bring peace to the world in all the places where peace is required. Lord, when we hear of mass killings, of other tragedies that take place in various parts of the world as they are brought to our notice, and when we hear even of things in our own locality that fill us with concern, grant, O oh Lord, that we may hear the extending of your kingdom, the power of your truth, the power of your spirit at work throughout the world. Help us to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to bring things uh, about in such a way that would create peace instead of conflict and that would bring into the hearts of men and women, young and old, that knowledge of Christ that would lay down their weapons and would lay down their resistance to authority and grant, O oh Lord, that in our day we may see the spreading abroad of your kingdom in this way. We ask your blessing to be with us in all our concerns here locally as a congregation. We pray especially this week, O oh Lord, that you bless Reverend Calmurda Smith as he deals with and responds to our call to come to be our assistant minister. And we pray for him and for the presbytery on Tuesday when he will be giving his response. And Lord, we pray while it is our desire indeed that he would uh, come to take up this uh, call and receive it and accept it positively. Yet, Lord, we want your will to be done. And we pray that you would remember him to that end and remembering his present congregation too, that you would bless them at this time, whatever his decision might be. Lord, may it be to the furtherance of your great name and to the good of your cause. And so we ask as we commit these things to you that you would continue to guide us and to strengthen us in the ways of God. Remember our young families, our children, our grandchildren, O Lord, Lord, who help them uh, from week to week in creche and tweenies and Sunday school and those who assist with other activities throughout the week, remember them all, we pray. 
as we give thanks for all who give of their time and of their God-given gifts and talents. And Lord, we pray that you would bless those who help with the with the camera work, with the disseminating of the bulletin, uh, with the way in which the newsletter is kept so up to date by Marianne and others who help. We thank you for all who are involved in placing these matters on the website and looking after these things. Gracious Lord, we give thanks for the ways in which the congregation can truly be thankful uh, for the contributions and the dedication of those who help in this and other ways from week to week. And so we continue, Lord, to wait upon you now, asking that you would continue to bless us in the way in which we seek this week to develop. And we pray as we pray these things uh, for the pardon of all our sin, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, reading this evening from the Word of God is from the Old Testament and is from the prophecy of Ezekiel. The prophecy of Ezekiel and chapter 36 and we're beginning at verse 22, and we'll read on to the end of the chapter. We're going to be looking um, later at uh, another passage from Philippians, um, Philippians which has to do in that passage with the supply uh, that God uh, assures his people of, and in this passage in Ezekiel, the supply of the Spirit of God, and by the Spirit of God of blessing, uh, is brought before us in these words of Ezekiel's prophecy. And so chapter 36 at verse 22, therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant, that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let, it, uh, let that be known to you. Uh, be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel." Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited, and the waste places shall be rebuilt, and the land that was desolate shall be tilled, instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden, 
and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it. Thus says the Lord God, this also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them, to increase their people like a flock, like the flock for sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem during her appointed feasts. So shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. And we pray that God, once again, will bless to us this passage of his word. Now let's turn again to praise him, this time from Psalm 116. 116 in the Scottish Psalter, that's on page 396. And we're singing verses 7 to 14. Psalm 116. O my soul, do thou return unto thy quiet rest, for largely, lo, the Lord to thee his bounty hath expressed. For my distressed soul from death delivered was by thee. Thou didst my morning eyes from tears, my feet from falling free. I in the land of those that live will walk the Lord before. I did believe, therefore I spake. I was afflicted sore. I said when I was in my haste that all men liars be, what shall I render to the Lord for all his gifts to me? I love salvation, take the cup. On God's name will I call. I'll pay my vows now to the Lord before his people all. These verses from seven, O thou my soul, do thou return. My soul to thy return to thy quiet rest for largely love the Lord through thee his bounty hath expressed for Falling 
Turn now together to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and tonight we're going to focus on verse 19 especially. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. As we read through the previous verses, we looked at verses uh, eight, uh, 10 to 13 last time. You remember that the apostle there is dealing with uh, the way in which the Philippians' kindness was shown to him in sending him support, a gift of uh, whatever kind it was uh, for his support. And he is thanking them for their generosity and for that support. And you'll find that through to verse 19 as well. He's saying in verse 14, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more, I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus, the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours. The Philippians were not, it seems, a very well-off congregation. And nevertheless, they showed their support and interest in the apostle and in his situations by sending, as he said here, even in Thessalonica, they sent something to help him, and he's thanking them. Now a gift has reached him, uh, sent through Epaphroditus uh, to him here in prison, as he writes to the Philippians. And it's interesting how that is described by him here in verse 18, this gift, the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. He is keying it in with the sacrifice of God himself, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, sacrifice of God's Son, which of course is the greatest gift of all. But he's using the language of sacrifice just to remind us, to remind the Philippians, and we're reminded of it too, that when we come to support the gospel, we're not just giving money, we're not just giving of our time, we are doing all of that, but it is, as we often refer to it, an offering. Just as sacrifices were referred to as offerings, something that was dedicated to God. So he is saying to the Philippians, this is what you have done. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. 
So the, the pattern really for our giving and support of the gospel is Jesus himself as a sacrifice and an offering as he gave himself to the cross to die for his people. And here uh, the apostle is now assuring the Philippians, having done that, having, for them having done that, he's now saying, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so there are two things that uh, really come from, from that verse um, that we can look at this evening. I'm going to focus on these two things. First of all, he talks here about a supply that meets every need. And secondly, it's a supply that flows from an endless resource, or from endless resources. A supply that meets every need, a supply that comes from endless resources. And we'll try and explain something more of that as we go through the words the apostle uses in the text. First of all, a supply that meets every need. And we're confining that to uh, the first part of the verse. My God will supply every need of yours. And then the second part of the verse is our second heading. It's a supply from endless resources, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, you notice, first of all, a supply that meets every need that he talks in very personal terms. My God will supply every need of yours or all your needs. Paul is actually talking from a living relationship with God on his own part. He's not bringing to the Philippians something that he knows all too little about. He's not basing his assurances of God supplying their needs on some sort of theory. It's not something that he's heard about from somebody else. He's not using second-hand information. He is saying, my God... And when he's saying, my God, he obviously is showing the Philippians how much the knowledge that he has of God, the personal relationship he has with God, means to him. My God, this God that I can describe, he's saying here, as my God, the God whom I worship, the God who in a sense belongs to me by faith, has made himself a God who belongs to me by faith. He is my God. He's talking here from first-hand knowledge. He can vouch for what he's saying and assuring the Philippians of. He can vouch that this is in fact true. He doesn't need to say anything more than my God will supply because that's been his experience. That's been how he has known God since he actually first came to know him and especially the Lord Jesus Christ himself, this is what has come to be true in the case of the apostle from that moment onwards. He has come to know the rich supply of grace that has met his every need. And now he's borrowing from that experience, that personal experience, to say that this is now what I can assure you Philippians of. My God will supply all your need. Is that your own approach to your own circumstances? Is that how I begin every day myself? Is that how we are in relation to our need, whatever that need may be and however much it may vary from day to day, from week to week? Are we actually coming to draw daily from the supply that God has in himself? 
Is that our concern in our everyday living, that we will come to God to draw every single day a fresh supply from the well that is in himself? Remember how Jesus, um, in speaking to the woman of Samaria in John chapter 4, assured her that whoever would come to receive the water that he would give, this life that he would give, it shall be in him a well of water, a spring of water, welling up into eternal life. And you know, that picture is a wonderful picture. It's a picture of a fountain or a water spring that never ceases, that never runs dry, that is never anything but outpouring so that people can benefit from it. And that's what he's telling us about the supply of life, the supply of grace that comes to God's people through their relationship with Jesus Christ. My God, the God that supplies me every day. Remember where, where Paul is, is, is speaking from, is writing from. He's in prison. He's in prison surrounded by guards. He's chained to guards. He's confined every day as he writes this to his, his, Philippian, uh, his Philippian supporters as he thanks them. He's saying, my God. He's still my God. Yes, I'm in this prison. I'm in these circumstances. I wouldn't have chosen them for myself. But my God has chosen that. And it's when you have this personal relationship with God, uh, this personal experience of God supplying your need, well, it is then that you come to realize more and more, as each day go by, goes by, it doesn't matter how the needs of tomorrow will be different from the needs of today. The supply is not going to change. And God's promise that he will meet my need is not going to change. He is my God. He has bonded himself to me. He's really meaning by this. He's bonded himself to me in covenant. And when God has bonded himself to, him, to you in covenant, this is his promise. And it's not going to be anything other than what he promises. He will meet your needs. It's a personal experience that he's passing on and commending to the Philippians. And it is, secondly, directed to every need that they have. Very personal reference, but then he's widening it out and said, my God will supply, supply every need of yours. He's not saying, my God will uh, supply your need individually, but not the whole congregation. It's both. He will supply all your need, plural, all you need to be as a people, all you need to be as a church in this world. And he will supply all you need individually as well. The two things logically go together, aren't they? When God is assuring us as a congregation that as we come to trust in him and wait upon him, he is assuring us he will meet our need. He will meet our need for everything that he leads us into, that he asks us to do for him. But within that, there's your individual need and the assurance is just as certain for you individually as it is congregationally or corporately. And you can see in, in, in this that it's directed to every need in a positive way, first of all. He is saying, my God will supply every need of yours. He's not saying my God can supply it. He's not saying my God might supply it. He's not saying my God will probably supply every need of yours. He's saying he will do it. He's being positive about this. He will be certain in his unfailing supply of you. 
And whatever their needs may turn out to be, the thing the apostle is stressing for them is he will supply. It's not a possibility. It's not a potential. It's not something they need to be doubtful about. God is in the business of supplying his people against every need. There's a positive certainty about it. You see, when, uh, think of, for example, think of how important it is to have a constant supply from God to meet every need, whatever that need may be. You can see that even illustrated in some of the uh, things that happen in the world. Think, for example, of an army such as the Russian army, because it's currently the case, left their own country, invaded a, another country, albeit beside them, a huge country, and attempted, it seems, fairly certainly, to take over that country on behalf of the Russian rulers. But you see, it's, it's one thing to actually have an army close to home, it's another thing to have an army hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away because then you've got to supply them. And if the supply chain breaks down, you've got a problem. And that's what happened, it seems, in some aspects of this campaign by the Russian forces in Ukraine. The supply chain broke down. They weren't getting fuel through. They weren't getting other necessary supplies through. So the Ukrainians were able to uh, fight back against them successfully so far. But you see the vitality of having the supply chain kept running. And it is vital that the supply is constant. And that's, of course, one of the, one of the things, in just following the same uh, illustration there, one of the things that, that um, uh, your enemy will try and do is to cut off your supplies uh, so that you can't continue with, your, with, with the work that you're doing in that sort of conflict situation. There is no such danger with regard to the supply that God supplies you with. There is no power anywhere that can actually interrupt that supply. Because once the Lord turns it on for you in your personal experience, he guarantees you that supply is going to, re it's going to continue to reach and flow into your soul. And it's going to continue and reach into the life of a congregation as uh, it comes directly from God himself through his spirit. My God will supply. There'll be no breaking in the supply chain. No enemy can actually prevent that. What a great comfort that is for you. Whether you think of your own life personally, or whether you think of our needs as a congregation, no enemy can break the supply chain that God sets up. Yes, we can ourselves by our own foolishness and disobedience, we can cause it to sometimes falter, not from God's side, but because we stand in the way and place things that block that supply. But it never ceases entirely. It never actually comes to an end. That grace of Christ is a grace which flows into the lives of his people at all times. My God, my God will supply. And he'll supply every need of yours, he goes on to say. It's not just that it's a certain supply, but it's a comprehensive supply. It's a supply against every need of yours. And that means 
all kinds of need. Just look at this congregation tonight. Look at the variety of needs that we have. The needs that we have mentally, physically, spiritually, health-wise. The needs that we have in regard to looking after our families. The needs we have of living in the world in which we're placed. The needs we have in relation to work. The needs we have in relation to losing our work. Whatever it is you think of in terms of your need, here is the word of God assuring us tonight that my God will supply every need of yours. Your need tonight may be a need that nobody else has. Lord's unlikely. But let's imagine it is. And whatever our needs are tonight, and however different we may think they are to the needs of anybody else. Here's your great assurance that you trust in Christ and he will supply all your need. Maybe it won't be in the way that you yourself would prefer. The supply may not be exactly in accordance with your thinking, but nevertheless the supply will be as God himself sees fit to give you. And it is a supply that is directed to meet every need of yours. There's the great thing about God. You see, we don't even know the extent of our need entirely and in detail, comprehensively or minutely. But we don't need to worry about that. Because we bring before God our need and lay it before him and say, Lord, I cannot actually see every single detail of my need today, but here is, the, here is what I do know and everything else that I do know, I trust you to supply against my needs. We lose loved ones in this life. And God assures us of his supply of grace of strength, of comfort for all those who come to place their lives before him, to trust in him, to draw from the supply that is so abundant in Jesus Christ for us. We all have different circumstances in our families. We have anxieties, we have worries to do with bringing up children, grandchildren, being parents, how we live in the community, how we go about our responsibilities in the world, all kinds of anxieties that come against us. And we saw something of that earlier in the chapter where, God, uh, where Paul was saying uh, uh, not to be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known to God. In other words, we're bringing our need before him to the extent that we know it. And even that which we don't know, we say to him, Lord, I know that you have the supply Give me the heart that will be willing to receive from you whatever it is you see fit to give me. And as I see my need, whether it's of your comfort, of your strengthening, of your support, of your guidance, of your enlightening of my mind, God will actually do that. And for you young folks who are here tonight, you have your career, you have your life stretching out before you, God willing. And you can see uh, how you need uh, your, the guidance of God, the strength of God, how you need uh, grace to actually prepare for life, uh, for the life that you're going to live, the career that you will end up having, whatever it is in the world. 
And God is assuring you, you put your trust in me and I will meet all your needs. I will meet every need of yours. And I will do it most certainly when you placed your trust and confidence in me to do so. So whatever your need might be, whatever our need as a congregation is, God, as we uh, are setting ourselves before him, God is saying, I will supply your need. And I will do it constantly, consistently, abundantly. And so what do we do about that? How do we respond to that assurance? Well, we pray for it. As I go back to verse 6 in the chapter, uh, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, that's the supply, isn't it, coming in? The peace of God, which passes all understanding, that will flow into your heart as you lay all your anxieties over on the Lord and as you ask him, Lord, help me with this, but make me thankful increasingly for all that I have been given by you. And as we pray for that, it's really, in a sense, we are, as Christians in this world, we're placed on the field of conflict because we're surrounded all around us by those who are at enmity with the gospel. Thankfully, there are others as well, but by and large, that world out there is hostile to the gospel and will be hostile to you if you're faithful to the gospel and if you want to increasingly witness to Christ. But you remember how the writer to the Hebrews put it for us, uh, words which really sit alongside very well, I think, the words we we're looking at tonight in, in Philippians, Hebrews chapter 4, uh, from verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. What then? Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need, that we may experience the supply that God is so ready to give. Let us come with confidence. The word really means with boldness. How can we be bold in the presence of God? How can we be confident in the presence of God to ask him for things that will meet our need, for the grace, for the power, for the enabling? How can we be as sinners able to do that before God? Aren't we disqualified from being bold, from being confident? Well, we're not coming in our own strength. We're not coming in our own merits. We're coming in the name of Jesus. That's where our confidence is. We have this great high priest who has passed through the heavens, is now at the right hand of God in glory. And because that's the case, we can certainly come with confidence. Because here's the thing. This Jesus himself experienced need. The Son of God, as he came into this world, as he lived this human life that he lived as the Son of God without ceasing to be such, he came into a life of dependence, 
He came into a life of relying upon the Holy Spirit. He came into a life where he needed to interact with God the Father on a daily basis, on a constant basis. He came into the kind of situation where in his own experience, he had to experience the supply that God gave to uphold him. You see, Jesus knows what it is to be in need. And when you go to Jesus and ask him to help you with your need, you're not dealing with a God who is disengaged from your need. You're not dealing with a God who knows nothing about what it is, humanly speaking, to be in need. His own son came into that, dealt with that, experienced that, overcame that. And now, through his Holy Spirit, he is supplying the need of his people. My God will supply every need of yours, a supply that meets every need. But secondly, more briefly, it's a supply from endless resources. How is this supply that God uh, supplies his people with, how is it measured? If you ask the question tonight, what is it that measures the supply that God gives? Is it the need itself? Does God measure the supply of his grace, the supply of his power? Does he measure that by the need that is ours? You know, sometimes we, we pray that way, don't we? pray, Lord, bless us according to our needs. And we're very sincere about that, and there's nothing in a sense wrong with that, because what we're asking when we ask God to bless us according to our need is that he will meet our need, that he will show us that he is more than adequate to meet our need. But actually, strictly speaking, it's probably best not to say, bless us according to our need, because that's really effectively saying, let your supply be measured by our need. So what else does he measure the supply by? If it's not our need, then what else is it? Well, here it is. According to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. How staggering is that? God is saying, I will supply your need. I will certainly supply your need. I will constantly supply your need. But I'm not going to minimize it. I'm not going to let you think that you come before me and just seek to ask for the least possible supply of grace because I measure my grace, God is saying, according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The blessing that we receive from God is the blessing that Jesus deserves. Can you measure that? Can you say of that that it's God's minimum? Can you say of that that tonight all I need to expect or can expect from God is that the supply that he has and promises to his people is measured and cut in measure with my need? No, it's not. It's according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You remember um, that wonderful verse in Ephesians, um, in Ephesians where... Uh, uh, God's, where, where Paul is, is dealing with uh, this, the same thing in Ephesians 1 verse 3 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places 
That's the supply. That's the uh, resource out of which God blesses his people. Every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You know, when you go to the bank, I'm not sure you nowadays need to go much to the bank. A lot of stuff is done online. But if you imagine going to the bank and asking for a bank loan, maybe you're buying a new car or perhaps it's a mortgage or something for which you need the bank to lend you some money. How is that amount going to be measured? How will the bank know what it is to lend you, how much it is to lend you? Well, you go into the bank or you fill in the form online, whatever it is. You work out the cost of what it is you need the money for. Uh, you know the, the amount that you're able to contribute. You know what your income is and so on. The bank takes account of all of that and then the bank comes to a decision. If it's going to give you a sum, a mortgage or loan to give you, to loan to you, then it will tell you this is what it's going to be and this is what's going to cost you every month. You see, it's measured in accordance with certain, these, uh, certain uh, things which uh, uh, the bank takes account of. But when you go before God, you don't expect God's bank that he is in himself or that he has deposited in Christ, the bank of the riches of his grace. You don't actually come before God seeking to borrow from that or draw from that. And that it's going to be measured by your need, whatever it is. No, it's not in accordance with what's worked out in terms of what you need, the amount you're able to pay back or anything like that. It's in accordance with the generosity of the manager. It's in accordance with the generosity of the manager, God himself. Because he's saying, you come before me Tell me your need, explain your need to me, confess your need to me. Even if you cannot confess it all, even if you can't understand it all or describe it all, here is my promise to you that when I give you grace, it's what my son deserves that you will receive. You know, in other words, if you think of God's grace, the supply that comes to us that's deposited in Jesus Christ, all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places in him, here you are going to that bank and on a daily basis you're applying to that, blank, to that bank for a supply of grace to help you and you know you come away every time and say, you know what's really wonderful is the whole bank belongs to me. God has promised me all these riches are mine if Jesus is mine. And you come away thinking this is a wonderful thing. God doesn't just measure out what uh, is measured by the nature of my need. He meets my need. He meets my need exactly. He meets our need collectively, exactly in accordance with that need. But it's also, in the higher sense, according to his riches and glory. That's how he measures it out. So when you come before God, don't be afraid to ask him for his best. I don't think that God just wants you to ask him, well, even the slightest, smallest amount will do me. I don't deserve everything, anything else. That may very well be the case. And it may very well be right to confess that before God. That's how you feel. That's pretty much how it is with every one of us. But as you come before God, you soon realize 
that God takes you further than that. And that the provision that God has made in the Lord Jesus Christ, the abundance of life and of riches in him, that's the bank. And it belongs to every Christian. It's your property in Christ. You can draw from it every day. And however much your need may be, and however much it may vary from day to day, the bank is never bankrupt. The bank is never less full than it was from the beginning. Samuel Rutherford, who had his own quaint way of putting things, said this, When I'm in the cellar of affliction, I always look for the Lord's choicest wines. When I'm in the cellar of affliction, I always look for the Lord's choicest wines. In other words, when I am afflicted in the providence of God, I don't think in minimal terms. I don't think that the cheapest wine will actually be enough for me. I want the vintage that's really brimming full of goodness, of vitality. I want the best that God has because that's what he wants for me. And that's what he has provided for me in the Lord Jesus Christ. A supply from endless resources. Aren't you and I tonight thankful that when you pray to God in the name of Jesus Christ, when you end your prayer by saying, for Jesus' sake, what are we really saying? We're really saying, Lord, you have limitless resources at your disposal in your Son. You have created and provided these for poor sinners like I am. So do for me far more, exceeding abundantly, above what I'm able to ask or think. Can you believe such a thing? Is this really true? Can you and I really say, as we get to know ourselves and how we are deserving of nothing of this from God, can this really be true? Is it too good to be true? No, but it's too good not to be true. Because the reality is, that's the nature of God's grace and God's giving and God's gift of his Son and grace for every need. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To God, our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. He started with my God. He's finishing this bit of the passage by saying our God. What he is to me individually, he is to you collectively, our God. And you know, he's not saying this simply as, as a wish to him be glory forever and ever. He's putting this in such terms as we can really say what he's doing, what he's doing is this. It's not just his desire that this will be the case. It's not his wish. What he's really saying is this is an affirmation of what is fitting. What is rightly belongs to God. Praise, honor, glory forever and ever. And tonight as we leave this place of worship with this uh, section of scripture in our minds, 
Let's leave this place not only thankful for the provision that God has made for us, but determined that we may make the most, the absolute most, of the abundance that is in Christ. That every day we will make it our business gladly, boldly, with confidence, without any hesitation that may come from the suggestions of the evil one. Make it your business every day to say, this is all mine, because Jesus died to secure it from me, and let me never be embarrassed, Lord, or reluctant to take as much as possible with me to meet my need. Lord, our God, we marvel at the way in which you provide against our need the supply of riches that are in Christ Jesus for us. We thank you, Lord, for all that has taken place to achieve this for us. We pray that tonight our concern may be uh, every day that we live uh, to turn to this endless supply. Lord, help us to live upon the assurance you give us that this indeed is your interest in your people, that this is the confidence we can draw from your word, that you are true to your promise. And so bless your word to us again, we pray at this time. Grant that whatever our needs may be this evening, and we know, Lord, that they are varied and that they uh, are constant and go on throughout life. Oh, Lord, give us, we pray, the confidence of faith to be assured that there is no need in our existence for which, not, for which God is not more than adequate. Hear us, we pray, and glorify your name for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, we're concluding our service tonight singing in Psalm 84. And again, it's in the Scottish Psalter, Psalm 84, page 339. And we're singing verses 8 to 12, words that assure us of the way that God continues again to supply, um, as we have been thinking this evening. So from verse 8 of Psalm 84, page 339, Lord God of hosts, my prayer here, O Jacob's God, give ear. See God, our shield, look on the face of thine anointed dear. For in, uh, uh, o thou that art the Lord of hosts, that man is truly blessed, who by assured confidence on thee alone doth rest. And you notice verse 11. For God the Lord's a son and shield, he'll grace and glory give, and will withhold no good from them that uprightly to live. These verses in conclusion. Lord God of hosts, my
if you could let me get to the main door, please, after the benediction, I'd be grateful. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen.